to another episode, special episode of the Heavy Mats podcast. Uh, it's just me, Joey, this week. Benny is uh, working, but I'm delighted to be joined by Vince, the frontman of the French tech death metal titans fractal universe. Vince, thank you so much for coming and joining me. Well, thank you for having me. This is brilliant. The new album um, for everyone, you need to go hear it. It is absolutely incredible. We reviewed it on our show, I think, maybe two or three episodes ago. Did you happen to catch our review, Vince? Yeah, I did. <laughs> and do you think it was fair? Yeah, definitely. Thanks Great. Thanks for doing it. <laughs> no worries. Um, congratulations on the album. It really is. It's superb. It's uh, one of those albums where I'll go back to over and over again. So you've created something really, really special. And um, But we'll get into that later. So first of all, then, the first question I have for yourself is, how have you found the reaction to the album? Well, pretty good, actually. We're really overwhelmed by all the positive uh, reactions we had uh, from the first single to when the day the, the record finally dropped. We've had almost only positive comments from both our old fans and also a lot of new fans. So that's really, really good. Uh, interesting you say that about new fans, because... Have you noticed an increase in, well, I don't know how you can monitor it, but have you seen a lot of new fans who you may not have seen before comment and saying great record and things like that? Yeah, I think so. And I think the one place where you can definitely spot it is like Spotify, because we have noticed uh, that we had a lot more followers in the in the last weeks and months. And also like on the other platforms, lots of new faces coming and uh, leaving a comment and stuff like that. So, yeah. That's great. How, what's your take on Spotify? We, we tend to ask this to a lot of people that obviously the artists aren't getting the the money they should be getting for it. But on the flip side, like you said there, you're getting a lot of exposure. So what's your take on the streaming platforms? Well, I personally don't use Spotify. I still use like uh, YouTube for music and, and stuff like that, or CDs. <laughs> can you believe it? <laughs> but um, yeah, I think overall it's a good thing for music. Like you can discover bands from all over the world and stuff like that. And there's actually no other way in our modern world to uh, <laughs> to deal with all of that. So I think Spotify is like a, a good thing. And also for bands, it's very uh, it's a very good tool because you have very precise like statistics and stuff like that. We can know exactly where people like to listen to the band and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah, it's a very hit and miss. Like personally, myself and Benny, who we, we do the show together, um, we use Spotify. But at the same time, like I have a big vinyl collection. Spotify is a really good tool because you can find new bands, like you were saying. But at the same time, if people aren't going out and because the main thing, obviously, for these days, musicians is the touring and merch, etc. So, I mean, Spotify is good in one way, but the main thing is supporting the merch and the band through going out and see them. So does all that come through your um, your own website and do you want to give a shout out to where people can find the merch and things to support you uh, yes definitely we have our own website where you can buy all our merch uh, the link is shop.fractaluniverse.com uh, shop excuse me this is where you can find all our t-shirts cds vinyls all that stuff and as you said yeah it's, it's the the very most important way to support a band i think because the money goes directly to us and uh that helps us to create new music and to yeah to, to keep producing new content. And did you are, you are you on Bandcamp? Were you involved in Bandcamp Friday? 
yes, we've been on Bandcamp also since the beginning of the band, which is also a platform we really like because once again, it's very user and artist friendly, I think. And I really like their their initiative of doing like these Bandcamp Fridays with uh, offering all the music without taking their their share of it. So this is pretty cool, I think, from them. And I think it's helped out a lot of bands during the, the pandemic. 100%. And I think it's noticed more in, or certainly when I'm on Twitter, the metal scene really are grabbing onto this Bandcamp Friday and they really are showing a lot of appreciation for bands because there is so much content that you can, you know, if you're buying the the stream, all the music is going to yourself. And, you know, in this day and age when, like we said, I mean, CDs, streaming, you know, when was the last time you went out and bought a CD? I just think it's important to, you know, to say to people that Bandcamp Friday especially is such a good cause for musicians in this, like you said, in the pandemic. Yeah, definitely. And uh, yeah, I think bands have to try and find new ways to uh, to get their names out there in these times. There has, has been a lot of like streaming events within one ourselves. And we were also like active on Twitch um, to, to keep like an interaction with people because yeah, that, that's really important in times like these. And without shows, there's a huge, huge part of, of the the music world that is missing and hopefully we will get it back as soon as possible fingers crossed we will come back to your uh, streaming event uh, shortly it's one of the questions i have and also the social media um side of it but just going back to the, the album being released then and we talk about positive feedback i want to talk a bit about negative feedback that you may see and how you react to it because i saw a couple of reviews on on the latest release the impossible horizon and it gave a, a very poor rating. And I'm not going to say who it is. I'll tell you after off stream if you want to talk. But w- what do you do when you see this sort of feedback? Do you just, does it outweigh the fact that you've got so many positive reviews or does it still sort of hurt a bit when you see this? Well, it depends. Most of the time we just try not, not to care because, yeah, it's just an opinion, I think. When people review something, it's just like stating their opinion. And to be honest, I don't really get the, the point of reviewing something you don't like. Why would you spend like time listening to a record several times maybe to, and write something that you, you, you don't like? I, I, don't, I don't really get the point, but that's fine if some people want to do it. But um, yeah, overall, we, we try not to care and uh, we continue to write the music that we like and that we believe in. Very good point that why would you write a review if you're, if you're not going to listen to it but also to your point of it's more about what you guys feel and let's talk about the new record because i'm sorry if i pronounce this wrong rizones of insanity was your previous album and for me listening to rizones compared to the new one there was a bit more progression in terms of more clean vocals from the outset um you know, from the opening track, even to the end of um, pers- Flashes of Personalities, is it? Is that right? Uh, potentialities, yeah. Sorry, Potentialities, yeah, Personalities. Um, is, is this something that as a band you are naturally progressing, that y- you are incorporating more of the clean side? Or was it the fact that you were writing the music and it just seemed to fit that way? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think it was more that way. Uh, the music became with the records more and more diverse there were more and more like open parts with uh, like just some arpeggios and clean guitars and it was just fitting the clean vocals a lot better and i think all the diversity of the music can be reflected in the vocals it goes from very heavy like growl stuff and, and stuff like that to really 
light clean vocals and everything in between basically and and i felt it was really necessary to to improve my my vocal range to to, to match every single um, color of the record i think interesting how you say that you're you're now trying to um improve your vocal range how long have you been a professional musician or doing music sorry but well i'm 26 now and i started at the age of nine with the guitar i was a bit lazy in the beginning but very quickly became very passionate about it and uh yeah i've been i think wanting to do music uh, my whole life and i've been teaching music since uh, when i finished high school and that's my my job basically i'm i'm a music teacher and uh, so I'm, I've been doing this professionally for quite some time now. And you're 26. Yes. <laughs> My God, <laughs> that's incredible. Uh, like that's blown me away, actually, how young you are. It makes me feel like uh, I've done nothing in my life today. <laughs> um, but no, the, the vocally, was it, was it a challenge for you to hit those cleaner, higher vocals at times? Or was it a lot of training? Or did you have it in there, you just didn't know you had it well i've practiced my vocals a lot in these recent years uh even more than my guitar skills i think uh because i felt like with my guitar i've quite a lot of experience and i, I managed to to express almost all my ideas and if, and if i don't know how to express something i work on it but, but mostly I'm, I'm very free on the instrument and i want to achieve the same thing on, on on the vocals so this is why i put a lot of practice in it and i think uh, I've improved a lot since the last record and there's still a lot of work to do, but I, I really enjoy it, actually. The, the the record itself is, for me, and again, this is going back to opinions, but it's quite um, emotional at times with those the clean vocals. There's a bit of a juxtaposition with the heavier stuff and the clean vocals that gives me a real sense of you know feeling on this record. Was that something you put into it right in the lyrics that is this an emotional record for yourself or was it just the fact that it fit in that instance well i think music is something something deeply emotional uh, overall so uh, yeah it's great that you feel that way and uh, what i love about this record is really that it has a lot of contrasts and that's what i love in music i think if a, if a record is heavy from beginning to end like with the same intensity it kind of loses its heaviness after a while and to me, heaviness comes really out of the dynamics, the shift between the parts. And, uh, and there are these really open and emotional sections that, uh, that really stand out, I think, on this record. 100%. And it's interesting you say about the, you know, some records that are just one style and dynamic of, and I'll take the genre of death metal itself. Um, you know, if you listen to, I don't want to call it out, but like Cannibal Corpse, for example, you know what you're going to get in a Cannibal Corpse record. There's not much change. Whereas this style that you've created, there is really, it gives the listener something to look forward to in the next song and the next chorus. You know, there's a lot of hooky choruses in there, which are really great. And I'm thinking of um, uh, the single Clockwork. Frac Expectation, yeah. Sorry, thank you. <laughs> Complicated titles. Sorry yeah. <laughs> Um, but I'm thinking that one, the single you release, and it's so really hooky, and there's everything in there that, and I think the album itself as well is a really good journey to listen to from end to end. Um, that's just my me saying to you anyway, but that's the point I mean in terms of death metal being very one, you know, 100 miles an hour blast beats, you know, things like that, whereas what you've created is something that really keeps the inter listener engaged and interested in. And 
the next point on that is the saxophone. So I'm a sucker for saxophone in metal. I love when bands do something that you're not expecting. My first question is, have you been planning this for a while to introduce it into Fractal Universe? Or again, was it this album just felt right when you're writing the music? Well, yes and no. We've had some saxophone on previous records, uh, but these were some guests. We had Jorgen Munkeby from the band Shining, and we had uh, our guitar player's father actually playing on one song as well. And so the saxophone had, had always found a, a little bit of, of its place in our music, like on one or two songs here and there. But the thing that changed for this record is that I started playing it myself like one year and a half ago, and I really loved, Whoa. I fell in love with the instrument. And um, yeah, I decided, and we decided to to add it on a larger scale on this record. And I think it worked out pretty well. And I'm looking forward to do that again in the future. So you you picked the saxophone up basically at the start of the pandemic. Yeah, right before, I think, yeah. And you are now playing, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're playing live this as well, are you? Yes, yes. And <laughs> that was pretty exciting. Uh, we've been doing that on, the, on our very first show since the pandemic for the release of the record and yeah it was pretty thrilling because uh, like the crowd was shouting yeah the saxophone the first time <laughs> i picked it up and yeah that was amazing did you not find it strange having like your guitar and a saxophone and the mic in front of you trying to juggle it all around uh well actually we uh the place where i switch it we try to hide it like behind the stage uh scenery and stuff like that but uh yeah in the beginning it was very confusing and challenging to to work on on the, on the switch but uh, in the end, once you get used to it, it, it becomes really natural. Fair play, because, uh, you know, there's a, a hell of a lot going on to try and, you know, remember when you're supposed to come in on the saxophone and <laughs> put your guitar down and pick the sax up. Is it something that you think you'll carry on to future albums? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I've started working on new pre-productions and the saxophone is definitely part of it. And what's changed is uh, basically... For The Impassable Horizon, the saxophone arrived pretty late in the process, uh, while now I know that's a tool I can use. And so in the compositions of the songs, I already think about adding the saxophone from time to time. So yeah, looking forward to, to, to add it maybe even a little more in the future. And do you write the songs first without the sax and then think that'll fit in there? Or do you write the songs so you know when a sax will fit in? Well, I don't think I want to force the saxophone into it, like I don't want to force anything into the music. But um, as I said, it, it's become a, another tool that I have at my disposal. And uh, sometimes I just have the idea of the saxophone blending in pretty naturally, but I don't want to force it into it, like have it on every song and stuff like that. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And the album itself then, when did you start writing for this Actually, it was uh, already quite some time ago. Um, it was after we finished producing uh, Rhythms of Insanity, because this is usually a good time for for me and for the band to to come up with new ideas. Because you are you have been working on the on the same ten songs for uh, such a long time, and you want to maybe go over to something fresh. And so the first idea started emerging, I think, in, in late 2018. But it was a process that took quite some time. Then I like to to let the songs breathe to maybe leave them out a few months and come back to them and uh, to, to have them really mature and uh, come back to it with a fresh, fresh mind. And uh, yeah, that's, that's how it came to be. And do you have all the songs written before you go into the studio or do you sort of work on a, 
you might have a few songs and then go in and something will come out. How do you work that process? Uh, it's pretty much all written out. Um, basically, what we do is try to, to record pre-productions that are as close as possible to the final result, like with as many details as possible so that we know exactly what we have to do when we record the real stuff. Obviously, sometimes little details change, like maybe a solo, uh, some drum fills, uh, uh, some slight changes in vocal lines and, and stuff like that. But it's like 98% uh, written out when we when we record finally the, the real stuff. I was going to say, because of the style of music you're playing, I would assume you're a very meticulous band where everything is almost regimented, where if you're not happy, you're not going to go in. If it's not nearly 100%, like you said, you're not going to record it. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, I think so. Um... We are very like we are perfectionists, I think, and um, I think that's what drives us forward. The, uh, the 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 drive to 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 try to make the best out of the songs, to to get the best performance possible in the studio and on stage. And uh, yeah, definitely, we are really paying attention to all the details and uh, love to add little stuff here and there that you can discover after like many listens and stuff like that. Absolutely. And those albums that are layered like that are some of my favorite where you can listen to it once and then you listen to it another time and you'll find little things here and there that you never picked up on the first listen. That's that's really good for, for someone like myself who loves listening to heavy music to find those little things in there. Your, your song to Metal Blade and obviously the roster for Metal Blade is phenomenal. If you see that Metal Blade logo, you know the band's going to be pretty good. How are they... In terms of, you know, you go into the studio and you say, we're going in this date. There's been a lot of talk that, you know, they're very laid back and they don't really push too much. They sort of let the artists do their own thing and, and sort of not pressure them. Is that the case for you guys? Yeah, definitely. Actually, they uh, they don't have anything to say about the, the musical side of things or the artwork or anything. We just send over the stuff and uh, if they like it, they release it. That's basically how it works. And they've been extremely supportive of the band, like uh, uh, encouraging us to do a lot of videos and stuff like that, and also releasing them on their channel. And uh, they're very quick to to answer and to give to give new input, new ideas, and stuff like that. So it's been really a pleasure to work with such professional guys. Yeah, and it's interesting you say that they don't interfere with the music. Do you do you just send them finished or pre mixed album, or whatever, or do you send them snippets of songs, and do they? have an input and sort of say mm, i'm not sure or they like guys if you want to do this you walk away um uh, that's that does not happen before we we did send the the pre-productions but it was just a choice of us we we decided like uh, yeah they the our our a and r at metal blade should hear it and he he liked it but we didn't have to to send it over uh it was like a personal choice that must be such a incredible relationship to have that you know you hear from other labels or not necessarily in the metal world but say in the pop or indie world where the labels are pressuring them to say no you can't be playing that or you know like motley crew for example back in the day where oh you can't be putting say an f on a record or you can't have that in the video whereas these days and i think it's more predominantly metal blade you do tend to see that there is just so much artistic freedom for the artists that you guys can just go away worry about writing the music and everything else is taken care of yeah i think it's uh, it's a good thing and maybe it, it's due to like uh, 
the CD industry uh, having <laughs> gone a lot downwards lately because there's not so much money, I think, to be made in records these days. And maybe that's why record labels want to have the, the artist uh, to, to, to give their best to be totally free because there's not millions of dollars to be made anyway. So, <laughs> Yeah, it's a very good point. It's a shame that the, the CD and um, the industry has gone down. I mean, you're 26, Vince, so I mean, I was 16, 20 years ago. Um, and I remember going into like my local record shop and picking up the latest, I don't know, Slipknot or Maiden or Megadeth or whatever, and having that physical copy. And I think that's one thing that streaming misses is the fact that you can't just sit there and like I collect vinyl and take a vinyl out while you're listening to it and see the artwork and the lyrics and things like that. And I think that's a bit of a disconnect with this generation, sorry, I say this generation, I sound like I'm really old now, but um, do you know what I mean? There's that disconnect there where it's just so easy that I think sometimes people actually don't appreciate the fact that they're getting all this music for free and the work that goes into it in the background. Mm. And I suppose that's right to your point that Metal Blade are given that freedom, even though they're not going to see a lot, a lot of return off physical sales. Yeah, but uh, as you said, yeah, in the, in the days where CDs were more common, uh, I think music had a different value, as you said, because you had the physical object. It was something really important. Like uh, when you bought a new new record, I think you would listen to it a lot of times. And nowadays with the streaming, you can just score over like uh, hundreds of bands, listen to one song and skip to the next band and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure I um, I love this I, because I grew up with CDs as well. I, I used to buy a lot of them when I was younger. And that's how I discovered metal and stuff like that. But just have to to deal with the times and you don't really have a choice <laughs> exactly yeah yeah um talking of streaming then uh let's talk about your live stream which um you did i think it was the 26th of july was it Around uh, 25th yeah 25th sorry yeah 25th of july um the stream the live streaming has become especially in this pandemic era um a big thing for people and, you know, there was fair few going on. I'm interested to know, do you think that live streaming will become part of the future of touring in terms of you might have, say you're playing a show in France, would you also give the option of a live stream as well? Do you think that's something that would be in the future? I think it would definitely be great because... To me, it's like different things. It's not a replacement for live shows, obviously, because it's not like the same energy, the same experience. But it's something different. It's like back in the days, <laughs> buying a DVD or something. Um, and I hope it will become, it will, it will remain something that that bands do. Uh, because yeah, to me, it's like a, a way of of, uh, of accessing music that I wouldn't maybe be able to see live. For example, we had. We sold some tickets to to people in uh, in South America and stuff like that for this live stream event that never had the opportunity of seeing the band live and maybe will not until like uh, many years. Uh, and so I think it's a, it's a great it's a great thing for them. I hundred percent know what you're on about when bands put on their social media saying, "Oh, here's our tour schedule," and someone pipes up and goes, "When are you coming to Chile?" Or yeah, <laughs> and yeah. I suppose you've got that tool now to do to do that. Um, I, I agree totally that, you know, there's nothing beats being at a live gig. I haven't been at a live gig now for nearly 20 months, I don't think. And I'm itching to get back to one. Obviously, the live streams is 
a way to um, sort of cure that need to be there. But at the same time, like if, if for example, I'm in Ireland, a lot of gigs are, are in the UK that I can't get to. It would be great to have that opportunity to see a band play live, but also at the same time, see it in an actual live environment where an amp could blow up or, you know, those things that happen. But to your live stream anyway, is this, how was it for you? I'm interested to know, I assume Metal Blade made the suggestion for you guys to do a live stream and how did the process work then? What was the, how much effort went into making this live stream event? Well, it was something we had in mind for quite some time because we uh, had always done like a release party for our show, performing the, the whole record in its entirety. And we were not sure that there would be shows uh, when the record would drop. And so we decided to do the this like in terms of a live stream. And uh, we put a lot of effort into it. We had a lot of uh, friends uh, helping out with the cameras and stuff like that. I think the team were like 13 people in total, bands plus, uh, plus all the staff. And so it was pretty exciting. It was our first time uh, doing this, like having two full days of preparation uh, to to shoot that, and uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun also. And I think it wasn't that hard to pretend to be uh, on a real show because we had done a lot of stage rehearsals before that on, on different venues around our place, and so it felt quite natural, quite like a real show. We pretended there was an audience and stuff like that, so it was fun. That was going to be my question: How strange is it that after you finish a song? There was just silence instead of an applause, or with the staff giving you a round of applause. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was uh, yeah. We we felt like performing for the cameraman, so it was fun. Okay, that's interesting because I would assume a lot of people or well, some bands would be very put off by that. But so you played the full album in its entirety. Yeah, the the, the new album, and was that the first time you played it in inverted commas live? Yeah, definitely. And uh, it's going to be also, I think, the only time we're going to play the, the record in its entirety because usually in our set lists, we mix up with different singles from previous records and we don't always have one hour and a half to uh, to perform our set. So. Of course, yeah. And do you think... So I think the streaming, it was for two, two weeks from the 25th and I think it expires Monday, did it? Are you going to yeah. release this as a maybe a, a supplement dvd or for future releases maybe uh probably not but if there is enough demand why not but for now it's not planned so uh, it's really only for the people that uh, <laughs> that made it to the event yeah i was away in um in a remote part of ireland i didn't have any internet so i missed the whole thing so fingers crossed that this comes out because i'm dying <laughs> to see that performance um so what's the plan now for the touring cycle of this. I know, obviously, things are up in the air. I don't know how things are for you in France in terms of COVID and the restrictions or whatever. What's the, the plan for now? Is there a draft plan or is there something that potentially will be? Well, unfortunately, we don't really know. For now, what we have is a few festivals and uh, club shows in France only. Uh, because that's the safest thing for us at the moment. Even though some festivals are starting to get cancelled in France, so hopefully that won't happen to you to the the shows we play on. But after that, we we hope to get opportunities to tour Europe and uh, and beyond. Also, but for now, unfortunately, we don't have 
so much in, in the works. We're also working on new songs already, so we're already thinking about the new record. And we'll keep pushing like with videos, with, with content like that in the meantime. How frustrating is it for you not to be able to play these songs now the record's out? Well, quite frustrating. Uh, it's a huge part of our life that is missing. And the hardest thing is like, we were on tour with Obscura in, uh, in Europe uh, one week before the pandemic started. So we came home and a few days later, the world was on complete lockdown. So it was a pretty, pretty hard and, and dramatic uh, shift between the two. Yeah, it's, it's brutal for everyone, isn't it? But I can understand for artists that on the one hand, it's given a lot of bands downtime that they wouldn't have had when they were touring or been on the road or at festivals where they can write new material and get it out sooner than they'd hoped. But at the same time, they're missing out on, like we said earlier, touring and that income, which is so vital for them. Like, but anyway, we're not going to dwell on that for now. My next question is uh, social media. So again, with the streaming, this is the, the, the future, it seems. And so does social media and Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch you mentioned. How important is it for bands these days or for yourself in Fractal Universe? How important is it to have these social media connections with your fans? I think it's really important. In times like these, I don't think a band can exist without social medias because you... <laughs> Uh, people look for you there, be it on YouTube, Facebook, whatever. If you if you are not present on all of these platforms, you basically don't exist. Um, but for me personally, I, I don't think I would use social media if it wasn't for the band. It's not something I, I really enjoy, but I do it with the band. I enjoy uh, interacting with people, especially now that there are no live shows. I think it's very important to, to maintain this connection and uh, to receive people's feedback and to chat with them. And so I really enjoyed it, enjoyed it in the context of the band. And I think it's important that you mentioned Twitch. And we started this channel at the very beginning of the pandemic and have been uh, feeding it ever since. And it was fun because uh, it's really interactive. And there, there's this chat section which you can like answer to questions like in real time and stuff like that. And it was, and it, it's still something we really enjoy. And uh, I think we got a lot of, of very solid fans there that that are watching all our streams and stuff like that. So it's really positive. I was on, I think it was on the Friday of the album release, you did a Twitch or YouTube or something like that. And the four of you were in someone's house, sat together on a sofa and I was watching along and, you know, all these people asking questions. And I, uh, I asked one, I don't know if you remember, I asked if you named the, some of the song titles the joy of sax um and your response was no we just use i think it's numbers you have for the titles of the songs is it you yeah, just yeah. Like... <laughs> and so, so what do you do do you just say like this is track one two three or is it a sort of system you have as a band uh actually it's the number uh of the <laughs> I, I work on guitar pro when i when i start out and it's just the the number of the guitar profile uh, I think, uh, for example, Clockwork Expectation was number 64 because what, it was the 64th idea since the beginning of the band that I wrote down in Guitar Pro and that made it into a song. <laughs> so that's just how it is. And uh, actually, we work with these working titles uh, until pretty late into the process. So it's fun. So you have all of these ideas in in uh, on your computer and you just yeah. go in and pick ones out that you think 
you know, do you, do you sometimes wake up in the middle of the night and think, geez, that riff would be really good and, and play it and save it? Or is that more, is that too, uh, too technical? Well, that happens sometimes. Uh, yeah, it happened for a new song that I started writing. I had the idea like uh, just before falling asleep and I, 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 I took my phone and like recorded just uh, the idea by humming it so that I would remember it the next day. And it made it into a full song. So sometimes that happens. Sometimes it it's, it's noodling. Then. Yeah. <laughs> no, brilliant. <laughs> Superb. The new album then. Can I get your view on it? And you don't you you don't have to answer if you don't want if it's too personal. Do you feel like this is your the best fractal universe you've done to date? Well, I think so. Um, actually, it's the the most up to date version of of our music because uh, obviously we we have evolved since the last one. We have uh, made progress, I think, as musicians as as a band, as individuals and stuff like that. So I think it's it's uh, an accurate representation of who we are at the moment. And, and I'm still very proud of it. But that doesn't mean I'm not proud of the, the records that we did before. Obviously, nowadays, there are things I would do differently, but I think they should stand as they are because this is how we uh, were approaching music, what we were at that time. And I think it's going to remain like that, and it's a good thing. Yeah, it was a very uh, tough question, to be honest. That's why, that's why I said you don't have to answer it if you don't want to. But I think just some people feel, and you did say that at the point in time where you are now, you do feel like it's your best record. But then obviously the previous albums were you at that point and got you to where you are today. Being in France, um, what part of France are you in actually, Vince? Uh, the northeast of France, pretty close to Belgium, Luxembourg and Germany. <laughs> Okay. How difficult is it for a, a metal band, especially in France, to become noticed? And how did your record deal come about? Well, I think in France, there's a lot of bands in there. And I think the French scene overall is getting a lot of uh, recognition because of bands like Gojira that have made it on the international scene. Um, as for how hard it is, I don't really know uh, because, as I said, I live close to to the borders of other countries, and so very early in the process, we played in Luxembourg or Belgium or Germany, for example, and I never really saw the the borders of the country as a limitation or something like that. And uh, I think it's it's pretty good for for us to be in that central position in Europe. And speaking about the how the deal with Metal Blade uh, came to be, actually, we knew that one of the guys from the label followed us on Twitter and uh, we just decided to, <laughs> to to write him a message over there to see if he was interested to hear our new record basically, Horizons of Insanity at the time and he really enjoyed it and like proposed it to uh, the rest of, of, the, of the label during a meeting and they were really interested and this is how it happened and I think uh, already at that time we had quite uh, we had done quite a lot of shows in uh, in france some some great festivals also abroad and uh, this is how i think they 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 realized that we were a serious band and uh, decided to to work with us great story interesting you say about that being close to the border it's probably like, like you said was a, a blessing rather than being in the southwest near no one but yeah like gorgier is obviously the first name that springs to mind from uh, France, have you? 
I've been to Hellfest twice, Hellfest Festival twice, and I must say, it's the best festival in Europe, hands down. Um, you know, but the way it's organised, how clean it is, you like, you can't believe how well it's organised. And they do well to support a lot of French bands there. There's a French band I saw there, and I, I don't know if you know them. They're called SUP, I think. Yes, I do. Um, and I saw them playing, I think, the fourth stage at like 11 o'clock. And it was absolutely rammed. It was like Sunday morning, so people were hungover. Mm. But it was absolutely rammed to the front. What are the bands in France that you could recommend? I mean, I know it's your interview and your practical universe, but um, <laughs> I'm just interested to know if there's any others we should be keeping an eye out for. Um, one band I really like is Tripalium. I don't know if you know them. No, but I'll take a note. It's uh, like groove death metal with like a lot of uh, jazzy influences. Like they have a lot of uh, of woodwind sections on their records as well. So pretty exciting stuff. Uh, there is Gorod. I think you might know this one. Like technical progressive death metal from southern France. Really impressive. Very groovy as well. And apart from that, uh, maybe a band like Hypnose, who do what they call cinematic cin cinematographic metal. <laughs> um, <laughs> which is pretty cool as well. And I think there's a lot of talent in France overall. A lot of bands are emerging and I think I think the France French scene will uh, will evolve a lot in the in the following years. I think so there's definitely so much talent out there. Um you guys being one of them. Um my final question for you is favorite song off the new album. Um that depends. <laughs> Uh, maybe Black Sails of Melancholia at the moment. Uh, when I listened back to the record uh, when it came out, uh, it really, it really stood out to me uh, because it's, it's like very emotional. Very, uh, there's a lot happening in this song, and that's probably the one that moved me the the, the most when I listened back to it. But uh, I wouldn't say there is any song that I don't like anymore on this record. So it, it really depends. From from day to day, it might vary a little bit. But uh, yeah, maybe this one. Would that be... I said that was my last question, but now... Will that be in the set list for future events? And my other question is, with uh, is um, Withering Snowdrops, is that going to be in the set list? Um, that will depend. I think on the shorter set lists, we will keep it to the, the singles we released from all the records. Because, uh, yeah, we have to, to prove our point in like 30 minutes. But I think on 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 set list from like forty to fifty minutes, Black Sails will definitely be on it, and Withering maybe from time to time. It's a very challenging song to play live, and I think it's a it's more of a studio track uh, than a live track because uh, some songs have really a live energy and are maybe a little bit easier to perform and to to really give a show performance. And Withering Snowdrops, I think it's the most challenging one on the record, so. Uh, but we'll definitely play it from time to time. I have faith in you. You'll be able to do it. Um, Vince, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to, to join me and chat. I've had a great time. For, for those listening, uh, definitely check out Fractal Universe's new album, The Impossible Horizon. Check out their shop, support them, support bands. They need us more than ever now. And hopefully, Vince, we, we'll get to see you at a show soon, whenever that may be. Um, God hopefully is soon enough. But for now, um, best of luck in the, the writing of the new record. Um, I know you've just released the latest one, so I don't want to put any pressure on you to get it out there, but best of luck with that. And um, hopefully we'll chat soon again. 
Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thanks to all the people who will listen to it. I hope you will enjoy the record. And we hope to see you on, on the show someday, hopefully. Please, God. Thanks very much for listening, everyone, and we'll see you next time.